Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, I'm going to preach about the power of association. The law of association and the power of association is going to bless you. This is going to change your life. I am certain. I am certain. I am certain. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. Our reading is going to be taken from a wonderful story in Genesis 13, the first verse. Of course, the story is given of how, because of famine, Abraham goes to Egypt. But before that, we know that God appears to Abraham and he tells him, get thee out of your country, that is Genesis 12, and from your kindred and from your father's house and to a land that I will show you. And so he goes and uh, he carries his wife and his family. And the Bible says, and Lot went also with him. So who did God send or call out? Abraham. But Lot also went with him. Somebody shout hallelujah. So anyway, one of those days there's a famine. They have to flee to Egypt for some help. Anyway, they return back from Egypt. In Genesis 13, Lot all along is walking with this man of God. Lot always has been walking with this man of God. They've been together. But remember, the covenant God is defining in this time is between Abraham and him, not Lot. Lot is simply following a man whom I feel he discerns that God is speaking to a certain way. Somebody shout hallelujah, a certain way. That doesn't mean that God did not love Lot. That doesn't mean that God did not have a relationship with Lot. It only means that God deals with us differently. That even in the inclusivity of the gospel, there are also exclusivities of calling. It's the choosing of the Lord. Many are called, but few are chosen. And of course, the Bible says that because God wants that mystery to stand not according to works, that that mystery will continue through the ages. We have seen over the years and in human history, both modern and past, that God has chosen certain people above others. God has elevated certain people above others. And for the children, the Bible says, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purposes of God, according to the election, might stand. Not of works, the Bible says, but of him that calleth. So this is how the purposes of God are, that they might stand. Not according to what they did, what they did not do, who they know and what they don't know. But there is a place where God in him purposes to elect certain people ahead of others. And this in such history, we see a man, Abraham, being chosen by God in his generation. So Lot goes with him. Anyway, Egypt and then out of Egypt. Genesis 13 begins when Abraham went up out of Egypt. And he and his wife and all that he had and Lot was with him. You see, again, into the world, the south. Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journeys from south even to Bethel and to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai. And to the place of the altar which he had met there at first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Verses 5. And Lot also, aren't you to underline that word also? And Lot also, which went with Abraham, had flocks and herds and tents. Listen, and Lot also, comma, which went with Abraham, comma, had flocks and herds and tents. Lot also, which went with Abraham. The Bible doesn't say, and Lot also had flocks and herds and tents. The Bible says, and Lot also, which went with Abraham, had flocks, herds and tents. That was not Lot's inheritance. He was with the man. Somebody shout hallelujah. He was with a certain man. And the Bible continues to tell us, and the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. Why? 
Because as what's upon Abraham is increasing, what's upon Lot is increasing until a place where the land could not hold them anymore. That means your associations are not limitation. Somebody shout hallelujah. Your associations are not limitations. Don't think that you're less because you're associated. If you understand how the principle goes, as he increases, you will increase and continue to increase as well. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. And of course, the substance was great. They could not dwell together. There was a strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelt in the land. And Abraham said to Lot, you know, I don't want us to have strife. So I pray thee between me and thee, between thy herdsmen and my herdsmen, we are brethren. There is no reason for us to fight because we are blessed. Somebody shout hallelujah. May you soon start making plans because you are so increased in Jesus' name. It's a good thing when people are planning to separate with good because there is increase for both. It's a good thing. 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 Except that it should be in line with the purposes of God. God should make you wealthy enough to leave your father's house. And that's all right. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's only if God has not told you to separate from a person that the danger is. But, you know, there are things God would provide for. Somebody shout hallelujah. And I don't think when you look at the story of Abraham and Lot, that uh, there was anything wrong with Lot separating from Abraham. No. The one mistake that I see Lot made was if he had understood that what's on his life was through Abraham, he would have sought the mind of Abraham where to go. Because with that instruction would come the blessing of Abraham and the divine instruction of Abraham because God was with Abraham. That was the only mistake Lot made. You see? Lot made a choice in a place where he was not supposed to be making a choice. He should have inquired of his cloud. He should have inquired from the man from whom God has prospered him with. I believe if he had told Abraham, I leave that to you to decide, he would have still stayed in the graces of that flow. Somebody shout hallelujah. Only the wise understand this thing. So the Bible says, Abraham tells him, if you go right hand, I will go left. If you go left, I will go right. Anyway, and Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of Jordan, that it was watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as a garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as though comes unto Zohar. And then Lot shows him all the plain of Jordan. Why? Because he was looking for a more fertile plain. His eyes took a very, very carnal conclusion. I have many cattle. If I'm to choose any land, I have to choose the greenest land there is so that I will feed my cattle. That's a man in the flesh who thinks that he's independent enough. But if he had seen by the Spirit, it was not important where he would go because either way, he got cattle and animals. Would God give you animals and not give you what to feed them with? Somebody shout hallelujah. That God that calls things that be not as though they are. That God that walked with Isaac and he dug dry wells and they brought forth water. That God who promised in Isaiah that your deserts will blossom. He can provide for whatever he has given you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Of course I'm warning that person who says, oh you know, God gave me a very nice car but I don't have its fuel. No, you have a problem. How can you not have fuel? How can he give you the bigger one? And then you don't have faith for the smaller one. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen, glory to God. So anyway, so he sees with the eyes of the flesh. Because remember, two men lift up their eyes. And I'm going to get to that. He lifted up his eyes and beheld the fertile plains of Jordan. And the Bible says he chose to go there. The line after, before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. That means... He did not see what was going to befall him in the future. He only looked or considered at that present circumstance and the provisions that were available for the hour. And he thought like a man in the flesh. So, scriptures tell us, the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly, but the guy dwelt there and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Anyway, and the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Abraham, comma, after Lot was separated from him. <laughs> that thing is so deep. After Lot was separated from him. That means 
Also, there are things God would not tell Abraham when he was with Lot. He could not speak certain things when he was with Lot. Because Lot had walked out of that cloud. Somebody shout hallelujah. When the Lord saw that Lot had separated from Abraham, the Bible says he went to Abraham after Lot had separated himself, after Lot had left him, after Lot was separated from him, after. That means God sees all of this play out and is patient. He's saying, no, 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 let me wait for him to go. Because he has made his decision to go. The things I will say to this man when Lot is gone. Did you know that there are things God cannot speak to you in the company of certain people? Do you know that the voice of God can be frustrated on your life when you're in the company of certain people? You know, the certain people God does not speak before. Why do you think he separates us? When a man or woman is seeking a life of consecration, you must be ready to learn how to live sometimes in solitude. It doesn't mean that you won't have family and friends around you. It only means no man or woman which is separated by God does not seek solitude or does not acquaint with loneliness. And that loneliness does not necessarily mean the absentia of people. You can actually sit amid 10,000 people and you're still alone. You can be surrounded by the greatest people, friends and family, and you're still alone because God is speaking to you differently. That's for another day. Somebody shout hallelujah. So anyway, the Lord tells him, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. Did you see? Abraham lifted up his eyes. God was responsible for the vision of the eye. Lift up. God commands him to lift. So when Lot is separated from Abraham, Abraham does not lift up his eyes. No, God instructs him, lift up your eyes. That means he has had a physical vision, vision in the flesh. Let me give you the vision. So it's one thing when you lift up your eyes on your own ability and strength, that means you'll have vain imagination. You will have carnal visions. But it's another when the Lord himself lifts up your eyes. And so he instructs him to lift up his eyes Northwards, for all the land which you see, he says, I will give it unto thy seed forever, and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. So if a man can number thee the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed be numbered. He tells him, Arise and walk through the land, the length of it, the breadth of it, and all etc. etc. And the Bible says, For I'll give it unto thee. So this man has received a certain inheritance. Now remember, look east, look west, look north. Look south, for as far as your eyes can see, I have given thee. Let me ask the question. Isn't it obvious that where Lot has gone was Abraham's? If it is given to him and he can't dwell there, what is Lot doing there? What is Lot doing there? What had the Lord not given Abraham that Lot would choose to go seek after? Do you know that there's a place in God where territories are given? The Bible speaks of a decree which was given and how God looted the nations. It was a demand by the word of the Holy Ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. And the Bible says, and he giveth it to whomsoever he willeth and he setteth up one over it. But sometimes or most of the times he sets up the bestest men. He giveth it to whoever he willeth it. God has accorded realms to certain people. God has given principalities to certain people. God has given graces to certain people. They have them in their spirits. They possess them. They have the title deeds of these places. People just don't become presidents. People just don't become kings. People just don't have influence over communities and nations. It is given. And the Bible says, he setteth up over it the bestest of men. That means there's something he looks for in the heart before he gives it. The least of all men. That's why he goes in the poorest family, the poorest tribe, the smallest tribe, and then he gets a king for 
Israel. He goes in the household of Jesse and gets the least expected person that if they are to call people to be anointed by Samuel, David is not in that list. They have to remind themselves that there's a shepherd boy somewhere and that's the one God has chosen. Oh, the Bible says he chose the foolish things that he might shame the wise. He chose the best things. He says, brethren, let us consider our calling. Not many of us were wise after the flesh. Not many of us were mighty after the flesh. Not many of us were noble. But the Bible says he chose all these things that he might confound the wise. And he has chosen the weak things, the Bible says, of the world to confound the things which are mighty. That's just how God works. When you see weakness in you, actually, that's the vision of your qualification. The very reason why God wants to use you. When you say, I think I come short in this, you see, that's your qualification, actually. God usually qualifies the most best people, the least people, the weakest people, the least potent people. Listen, if you see a man so mightily, or a woman so mightily used of God, there was something about him that was so weak. There was something about him that was so weak. Never forget this. There was something about him that was so weak. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's how God chooses. So it was given. It's a decree, a demand of the Holy Ones. The watchers are experienced in the spirit enough to discern that if we can see by the spirit, we can know and understand that these territories, these places, these kingdoms of this world they are people to whom it is given and so the things we proclaim and speak forth as watchers and so they see by the spirit their positioning in the spirit can tell them that this man or woman is not just given a great ministry this man or woman is not just given a certain business no he's given a realm he's given a kingdom and she is given a certain grace that goes beyond many if you say there's a, a steel business, iron. There is a company that is the leading distributor of steel in the world. It is given to them. You realize that almost all the steel in the world is sort of connected to them in some way or another. It is given them. That's how God gives. That's how God gives. So you say, if this, this is the leading lease, or Samsung, for example, perhaps for many years, has been selling cell phones. Uh, you know, the biggest seller of cell phones. They don't just become by hard work and good systems. Because there are people who had better systems. People work harder. But it is given to them. How or which way or why God chose them, that's up to God. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's a lesson for you too. So, God has given this man the breath, the legs. He tells him, walk there. That means in the spirit. Confirm this. And Abraham walks through the whole world. That's why all of us are the seed of Abraham. He possessed us through faith. Verses 18, Then Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Now, this is amazing. The Hebrew word for Mamre, the plain of Mamre, the Hebrew word for Mamre is strength. And the Hebrew word of Hebron is association. Can that be a coincidence? Let me ask you, can that be a coincidence? That that's where Abraham pitches his tent. He pitches his tent in the strength of the right association. He stayed associated with God. So that's why I want to talk about the power of association. History, biblical history, has given us numerous accounts and examples of people whose lives were either blessed and defined by certain associations or people whose lives were utterly destroyed by certain associations. Of course, if I should get in the experiences of our personal lives, I cannot tell you how many people right now are in the grave because of the wrong associations. They're struggling in their marriages because of the wrong associations. Their ministries are dying because of the wrong associations. They're nursing diseases in their bodies because of the wrong associations. Their careers have been switched to destruction.
because of the wrong associations. Their lives have been rearranged the wrong way because they met a person they were not supposed to meet. They answered a call they were not supposed to answer. They read an email they were not supposed to read. They went in a place they were not supposed to go. They opened a door they were not supposed to open. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so through the Bible, it is clear that no man, no man can come in association with a thing or somebody and leaves that man neutral. Something has to happen when you associate with something or somebody. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible speaks of Moses. I'll read you a few. In Deuteronomy 34, the ninth verse, if you read the Amplified Version, Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. Listen. For Moses had laid his hands upon him. Can that be a mistake? Listen. Joshua, the son of Nun, was called by God. But there's something he needed on his spirit, and it was on a certain man. It was not on a prayer mountain. He could not fast for it. He could not read books for it. It was on the hand of a certain man. Somebody shout hallelujah. So the Bible says he was full of the spirit of wisdom, comma, for Moses had laid hands upon him. So, next line, the Israelites listened to him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. Why would they listen to him? Why did the Israelites listen to Joshua? Was it because he was a deep preacher, a deep minister? Was it because he had something on his land? No, listen, God never called Joshua to lead the children of Israel to the promised land. Joshua was the coincidental narrative that comes through because God had disqualified a man and he weighs the heart of this faithful steward. And then he says, I can appoint this fellow because he has something in him that Moses had. I cannot lead the children of Israel without that thing which was in Moses. So there was a day where Moses tells Joshua, kneel down. This one, you're not going to fast for it, kneel down. This one, you're not going to go and get a university degree, kneel down. This one, you're not going to go to the library or call your best friends. This one, kneel down. And he lays hands on him and the Bible says he was filled with the spirit of wisdom. For Moses laid hands on him and the children of Israel listened to him. Why? Because what was on him, they could see was the very spirit functioning in Moses. You'd not disobey Joshua if you knew Moses. So he was not just an associate. That's why I'm against associate pastors. It's deeper than that. It's sonship. The Bible says he was a servant of Moses. Because when we say associate, what do we mean? Are they peer pastors with the man of God? Because it's one thing to say, this is my associate pastor. We are just associated. But in this conversation of association, are you equal? Because that's why you define inheritance and impartation. The Bible says it's without controversy. The greater blesses the lesser. If a man does not have enough to lead you, look for one who has it. Somebody shout hallelujah. But if you sit under a man or woman and you know they have more than you have or that God has accorded that responsibility to them to watch over you, sit and receive everything they speak to your spirit. Because chances are, not everything that God will give you will give you through your personal meditations, through your life of prayer and fasting. There are things that are simply given. They're given. I have a lady in the ministry. She took a bit longer than expected to get married. Then one day she did something that stirred my spirit to so much joy. I got so, so, so happy. And Sunesis, the critical faculty, told me, your heart is happy. Bless her now. Don't do it tomorrow. Do it now. And Fronesis, that wisdom that defines the mode of action comes upon me. And I call out of my office. And I said, kneel down right now. And I took off my ring and I put it on her finger. And I said, as this ring has gone on your finger, by next year, you should be married. Whether there are demons in your family, whether nobody gets married, whether there is a generational curse following you, whether there are million demons, I have spoken. I got my ring back, put it in my hand. In that next year, she got married. A man appeared. <laughs> God can make something appear. Somebody shout hallelujah. 
that is the right association. Perhaps God had not planned her marital destiny to be defined on a mountain of prayer. It was on a man's hand. It was on a man's hand. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. So Joshua lives in the wisdom that was given to him by the man who laid hands on him. When Paul is speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy, what does he tell him? He tells him, take heed of the prophecies that were spoken upon your life on the laying on of hands. People laid hands on you. We laid hands on you and we spoke prophecies. And the Bible says, these prophecies went before thee. He says, they were spoken on thee by the presbytery. They spoke words on your life. And the Bible says, and by these, you will wage a good warfare. He says, I charge thee, Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee. They went before on thee. They were spoken on your life. He said, there's going to come a time where attacks are going to come your way. And your fasting won't save you. Your seed won't save you. Your friends won't save you. But the words that were spoken on your life one day will come as God on your life and they will charge angels and the person of the Holy Spirit will stand on your side that you might wage a good warfare because somebody spoke to some of the things that defeat you either you shut the voice that spoke in the destiny for the words that were coming ahead of you or nobody ever spoke upon your life but the things that are going to come and they will honor the person who spoke when these demons come they will remember uh uh we were commanded by a certain person, a certain man of God, a certain woman of God not to cross this boundary and it shall be honored. He tells him, stir the gift which is in thee, the same which you received by the putting on of my hands, that there is something I put in you. It is in there. I laid something in your spirit. You might not know what it is, but this is the thing you need to start. So Timothy cannot say that all he has is only and only by his personal seeking of God. There are things in Timothy that had only starred and they belonged to Paul. They belonged to Paul. What was in Joshua belonged to Moses. It is possible in your life to have something that belongs to another man. If you know how to associate right. And it's okay, you don't lose anything. Like I said, it's not limitation. Association is not limitation. Somebody shout amen. amen. Shout glory to God. What do you lose to add yours to another man's? What do you lose to add yours to another man? Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. Let us look at the time of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. In the book of Matthew, the 26th chapter, the 71st verse. The Bible says, and when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him. This is Peter now. In the time when Jesus is about to be crucified. And then he goes to follow his master to make sure everything is well. So when he had gone out into the porch, another lady saw him. And said unto him that was there. This fellow was also with the Jesus of Nazareth. This guy was with him. He's associated with him. And the Bible says in 72, and again he denied an oath. He says, I do not know the man. This is Peter denying who? Jesus. And the Bible says, and after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, surely you're one of them because your speech beweareth thee. Your speech exposes you. You might argue that you don't know the man, but you're speaking like him. Power of association. Somebody shout hallelujah. You're speaking like him. We know that this kind of speech is from that guy. Imagine, he says, I don't know the man. That's all he said. But in the way he spoke it, that's why you can't deny certain people. Do you know somebody can leave a church and still go in many churches but still speak like the... <laughs> Somebody shout amen, glory to God. Says, I don't know the man. He's denying him in speech. But in the spirit they are saying, but the way you're speaking it is the same way Jesus would say it. <laughs> Somebody shout glory to God. In Acts chapter 4 verses 13, the Amplified Version. The Bible says, now they saw the boldness and unfettered eloquence of Peter and John 
and perceived that they were unlearned and untrained in the schools, common men with no educational advantages. And they marveled and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now, this is just beyond the statement. When Peter and John went ministering, they spoke things and these men were like, mm -mm, these guys are not advantaged through education. They were not exposed to certain schools. They cannot be speaking like this, except they have been with a certain man. Somebody shout hallelujah. They cannot be like this except they had been with a certain man. Association can give you a language that you can never read in a book. Association can give you a speech that you can never be taught by anybody. Association can give you a print in the spirit that you can never pray for or fast for. Association can give you a frequency. Association can give you a certain vibration in the spirit. It is something you didn't pay a price for, but a certain man passed unto you by reason of association. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. It's just how life is. And so it is also with the wrong associations, unfortunately. Like the disciples of Jesus could start speaking and people would understand that this is not a qualification of a school. They must have been with him. That means there was a way this man spoke. There was a way Jesus spoke. There was an authority that he spoke. Now the Bible said in Amplified, they had a certain eloquence. That means we can even transfer vocabulary. Somebody shout amen. Now, like the right associations can take us places, so can the wrong associations. So can the wrong associations. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 verses 20, if you read the Amplified, he who walks as a companion he who walks as a companion with wise men is wise. They don't just become, I love the Amplified says it, is wise. You're already wise when you sit with wise men. That's so deep. He says, but he who associates, I love that language, with self-confident fools, is a fool himself and shall smart for it. This is why I tell people, every seed produces after its own kind. There was one time I sat somebody down and I was talking to them in ministry years ago. And it seems as though this person was always the person people came to with gossip. I've been there. Now people don't come to you with revelation. They don't come to you with visions of God. They don't come to you with divine dreams. No, they always come to you with gossip and slander. So this so-and-so told me, this one so-and-so told me, and they came and came and came, many, many of them came. And then I said to this person, I said, but have you ever asked yourself why all of these gossipers and slandering people always find comfort in your confines? What about you attracts those people? What's with them that sort of, when it looks for a magnet, it connects to you? I don't know, for me, I just find they just come. They just come? How come people don't come to the rest of them? Why do they come to you? And a person can be so dead in their spirit to understand the principle of God that they can think, hmm, five people have come to me. I think this is a sign. A sign of what? A sign of what? A sign of what? Of what? Do you read your Bible <laughs> to understand the signs of the Spirit? You think God can give a sign contrary to principle? Do you understand what I'm saying? Why are you telling me this? It's the first question. Why me? I want to warn you. I see you're going to die. Okay. What about the man of God you're talking about? Don't you care for his life? Why don't you first go and restore him since he's the one with the issue? Or the woman of God? Why don't you first go and restore them before you restore me? What would happen if you restored them? Wouldn't you restore millions? Oh, so the Bible says that you can not bring up an issue except on one or two witnesses. The Bible says if you have an issue with a brother or sister, go to them. Have you gone to the man or woman of God you're talking about? No. So why are you coming to me? I have God too. And I hear the Holy Spirit like you hear him. If he speaks to me like he spoke to you, I will move. That's wisdom. Are you hearing me? Some people are even misled out of purpose. Because somebody brought a silly room about a sister in the church. And that's especially in Africa. I've 
preached in Europe, I've gone around the world. In Africa is where you find everyone who knows who the cult is. It's an African thing because originally, three, four generations, the seed of witchcraft has not left their mindset. They always know who is a witch doctor. They always know who is cult. Who is this? They always know who. <laughs> and some of them are colonized in their minds. If a white man was preaching these things, it would not be cult. You see? Why? Because for them, they're colonized in their minds. They think that it can only come through a certain color. God chose the best things of this world that he might shame the wise. That's why I tell you, look at the five people around you. You'll always be the average of them. If you're not comfortable with that average, change your friendships. Change your associates. If you're not comfortable. If you feel you're comfortable and you're willing to keep friendship above purpose, keep it. But if you sit around five people and you feel that the average of these five is not the place you dream to be, change your association. What about them? Leave them to find themselves too. You'll pick them after you find yourself. You can when they ask the right questions. Somebody shout hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 33, Amplified, do not be so deceived and misled. He says, evil companionships, communion, associations, corrupt and depraved good manners and morals and character. It's just like that. That's why we don't tell people to unequally yoke with unbelievers. For what fellowship? God asks what fellowship? And that means he also wants to learn from you how you do it because he doesn't know how it works. For what communion has light with darkness? How do you do it? Show me. Because even God doesn't know how it works, but he wants to learn from you. Sister or brother, how you, a Christian girl, can get married to a Muslim man? How you do it? Because perhaps there's a lesson God doesn't know. Somebody shout hallelujah. And with those ones, I don't even miss my words. Because I know how callings have been destroyed. Satan knew that she was going to revive Africa. And took a Muslim boy to her. And she traded that calling with a relationship. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. Galatians 5, the seventh verse, amplified version again. Now he sees that the Galatians are lost. Remember earlier in chapter 3, oh you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth before whom Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. What happened? Who misled you? They began well, but how did they go off the course? And in Galatians chapter 5 verse 7, he says, you were running the rest nobly. Who has interfered in, hindered and stopped you from heeding and following the truth? He says, this Evil persuasion is not from him who called you, he invited you to freedom in Christ. A little leaven, a slight inclination to error or a few false teachers leavens the whole lamp, it perverts the whole conception of faith or misleads the whole church. You see, some of you think you are mature enough to design the right teacher and the wrong one, but many of you are not. You're not. Many people are not. They assume they are, but they are not. Because if they had understood a certain truth, there are even teachers they would not listen to. Are you hearing me? So he sees a church that was misled and persuaded off the true course of the spirit because they associated with the wrong people. Perhaps they were right-meaning Christians who heard that there was brother so-and-so who had a very nice message and they invited him in their fellowship and it killed them. That's why I tell people, you know, I don't just put people on the altar. I'm saying, oh, but how come we see very few preachers? Yeah, there are preachers on my altar, but I don't put everybody. That's how and why my altar has been preserved all these years. Teach me better if you have a bigger altar. Teach me better if you have a bigger altar. But altars are preserved by the voices that are appointed. You don't just get everybody because they speak the great message and think that they belong to your altar or because they preach faith and present truth and they speak apostolically or prophetic and you think that they're supposed to have altars. No, 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 no. We have had people on this altar. But every person that steps on this altar, I pray about because I know the power of association. And neither do I step on every altar. I have invitations that would take me five years to finish or ten if you want to. And I don't just, just step in every altar because sometimes not every door that is open to you 
is for your progress. It doesn't matter how much provision is available for that door. For those of you who are studying the seven guiding lights of the Spirit, I have a sermon on that. Circumstantial evidence is not enough. So provision only is not enough because Satan has worked through provision and circumstantial evidence to deceive men to think that where the need is, that means you are the required minister. And sometimes, even when the need is there, sometimes we are not the called people. There was a need to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, but Peter was not called to the Gentiles. He was not called to the Gentiles. There was a need to preach to the Jews, but Paul was not called to the Jews. He was called to the Gentiles. The assignment is important. God loves those people more than you do. He knows what he is doing. So we don't respond to need in receiving assignment, we respond to God's purpose, his mind on a thing. Somebody shout, hallelujah, glory to God. Are you learning something? We see that the church in Galatia was misled. So that means associations can actually destroy ministries. They can destroy ministries. They can destroy ministries. I know one or two minister friends of mine that I wish I would have sat down and I told them, don't put this person on your altar. They're going to destroy you. And they would not listen. I'm sure they would not listen because I know how they think. But I also see some results with them and I can tell this result was because a certain seed was planted on the man's altar that defiled that altar. And now this is for ministers. For those of you who aspire to go deep into serving God, I'm going to say something so deep here. Associations are not only with present people and they are not only in the realm of just relating with people. When you read a book, you are associating. When you listen to a man's sermon, you are associating. When you go on a man's website, you are associating. It's not just the personal contact with an individual. It's bigger than just personal association. Somebody shout hallelujah. When you listen to a tape, you're associating with a certain person. Bible has even warned us of people whom we ought not to eat with, no matter how gifted they are. See, this is deep. But let me also teach you something. If there is one thing that the Lord has taught me, he has taught me so well, to know how to receive from the right association. He has told me how to learn to honor what I need to attract my direction. Years ago, I used to visit a certain church. And uh, there was a man there who used to do miracles. And I remember I used to go to his churches to pray. I just used to go to pray back in those days. Of course, I didn't have a voice. And I remember we're praying. And I remember that one day as we were praying and the Spirit of the Lord told me, take hold of the faith operating in his life. It was one night and I received it. And I knew that there was something that I connected to him. Like the other people that I've connected with over the years, especially for me, I've connected more to dead bones than men who are alive. It's so coincidental that my biggest teachers are all dead in the flesh, but they are alive in their writings. That's my experience. And I knew from that time that there's something that I'd received, but I also started feeling sorry for the people that were in their ministry because I could see they didn't. There's something they didn't take. So it's not obvious that because you're seated under a man in the ministry, that means that it's obvious that you're going to receive everything from him. And you could even fault him or her to think that it's not working for you. Not because it's not working through the man. No, there are people in the same ministry that are receiving and are working in the same grace. Why isn't it operating on your life? I read Maria Ugwasheta. And I read her story. And I was in a car and I received something from her spirit. There was the first time I stood in front of a pulpit, read portions of scriptures, and the power of God 
hit the whole church as I just finished reading about four lines of that portion of scripture. And I sat for 30 minutes waiting for them to come to senses and they were all out, stoned like dead men, filled by the Holy Spirit somewhere in trances. And I couldn't wait anymore. I went back home and the first man in that meeting woke up after three hours and they started giving experiences of visions and dreams that they had. But I'd read it with the Maria Woodworth letter. When I read it, I received it. I know how to connect to certain graces. Some things are not going to come because you went on a prayer meeting. Some things are not going to come because you went on a prayer mountain. Some things will come because you can read and connect to what you read. I learned the deepest degrees of healing through men like Kenneth E. Hagen. I connected to the spirit of revelation through Kenneth. There are things I received from Catherine Kuhlman, and I know them. I can tell them to you. So I know how to receive, and there are people I could never have received from. That's why when I tell you that this one didn't teach me or didn't give me, they could not have given me, and I know who gave me. I know what's working inside my spirit. You understand what I'm saying? So when we come sometimes and release things on you, some of you are receiving things that are coming from many generations of things that have worked in certain people's lives. I can never be a normal man. I know what's upon my life. You understand what I'm saying? Understand how to relate with the things that connect you to deeper graces in the spirit and know where you cannot go. If you're submitted to a man of God and he tells you don't connect to this and God has told you to submit to him, he's not telling you because he doesn't want you to go to that church. Some of us are beyond that level. Fanero is growing faster than anybody could live. Are you hearing me? But you see, when you have tested the good word of God, I'm not just talking about people who are just hearing, when you've tested it, and the powers of the ages to come, and you can see two, three, four, 50 years, 40 years, you see the worlds to come, you can tell the next decades that are ahead. You have a certain authority. Some of us have walked so long that we can tell one time, one of our pastors, he brought me a video of a very wonderful young prophet. And he said, there's something about this guy. The guy was accurate. The guy was deep. The guy was accurate. And I told him, that guy is going to be nothing in the next three years. Oh, my minister. Of course, he was younger then, very young in the spirit. He said, I was so disappointed in what you told me. Because for him, when he saw that prophet, he was like, ay, 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 this one, this is. I told him, but that's not the prophetic. Give it three years, you'll understand what I mean. He was so distraught, he tells me later. But because he knows I'm his spiritual authority, since then, he heard me. But he observed to see what would happen in three years. And after three years, he comes back to me and said, Apostle, everything you spoke about this man has happened in three years. The young man was no more. He was no more. He was no more. But if you had his gift years ago and how he was operating, you'd think by 2021, the whole prophetic movement in the world should be recognizing in a certain way. But it did not end that way because it's beyond the accuracy. It's beyond the gifts operating. You see, there's a difference between the gift of God operating on your life and the authority from where you operate. Do you understand what I'm saying? The authority from where you operate. When Paul says to me was given a dispensation, that's an authority of operation. It's not that's just the gift of a man preaching good on a certain Sunday or Thursday. Some of us are not in the realm of looking for a sermon to preach on Sunday or Thursday. Even if you told me to preach every day, I'll preach something new. Because what's open on us, sword bottomless, God speaks every time. I have things I've learned for years I'm not able to preach even now. I'm still waiting for some of you to come to that place where I can preach them. You know, I've heard of website of Usumanya that help pastors who are busy to get summons. Why is that man or woman of God who is still going to website because he's so busy to hear God? What is he preaching? I see stolen waters are sweet, but they have their danger. Because if you preach what is stolen, you're a thief on the altar. Somebody shout hallelujah. I 
I'm careful about who has my phone number, who has my email, why they have it, how they can use it. I'm careful about whose phone I answer and whose phone I don't answer. I'm careful about who I sit down with tea and who I don't drink with tea. I am careful with whom I can eat food with and who I don't eat food with. I am careful with whom I can fellowship with and whom I cannot fellowship with. I am careful. My life is so guarded because I almost lost my life years ago when I was a baby in the spirit because of the wrong association. I cannot tell you, but some of you, I pray you never see those days. A man can be buried. Be careful about everything you associate with. Be careful about who you talk to. Don't just live your life like a kind of man. Oh, me, I do everyone. No, 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 no. We have degrees of relationships. There are things I can give certain people. There are things I cannot give certain people. There are people I know this one is to minister to. This one is to minister with. This one is to minister to me. You have to know. You have to know. Don't listen to everything. Everybody. Some of you are on YouTube watching everything, listening to everybody on Facebook. And some of the people you're listening to cannot take you where you're supposed to go. Some, or most. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, I'm not sorry if I've offended. But my prayer for you is that may God give you the right associations. May God clear out of your way any association that does not glorify God in your life. And as a man of God, I'm decreeing something so dangerous, but it's going to happen. Some of you from today are going to lose a few friends and a few connections, not because they are bad people, but because it is the will of God that you are connected to the right people and the right things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I decree that every false witness in your life, every person that misrepresents what God has put in your life. Every person in your life that is rearranging your life for destruction and regression, that they are disconnected from you this very hour. And I decree and I declare in the name of Jesus that your life and your path is going to be clearer and clearer in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout Amen. If you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Just repeat these words after me. You say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you shed your blood for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.